0: what I'm talking about. Keep it coming. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Romans chapter one. Man, I was going to chest bump Brother Getch right there. I felt it. Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. It has been a joy to be with you. I am excited about what God's going to use or how God's going to use you in the days and months and years to come. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 16. Throughout your life there will there will be words that you hear that will be life-changing. Words like, I do, those are life-changing words. They, they seal your hope for a lifelong relationship with the person that you love the most. Words like, I'm expecting, those are life-changing words. You're never the same. Once you become a parent, words like you're hired, those are life-changing words, words like you're fired. (laughs) Some of you will definitely hear that. (laughs) Words like I want a divorce. Life-changing words for everyone involved. There, there are so many other words that we could highlight that are, that are life-changing. But all of those words, wherever they are given, how, whatever the circumstance is, they can only change a life in this life. They can only change here and now. But there are words that when they are given, they change a life forever. That's the message that Paul is writing about in the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 1, it's verse number 16, just one verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first. And also to the Greek. Our Heavenly Father, use your word in our lives. Remind us. Of the life changing truth that you have offered to us through your Son. Fill us with hope. Remind us of its power. Offer to us its peace. Give to us its joy. Cause it to fill in us its promise. And may we be like the Apostle Paul and say that we are not ashamed. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. You would think that people who have believed these words, the words of the gospel, The people who have received the gospel would be people who gladly would share the gospel. And yet, virtually every statistic that you can find tells you that the vast majority of people who have believed the gospel rarely, if ever, share the gospel. Which kind of begs the question, does it not, that if we have received the gospel and if those words, the gospel of Christ, have a life-changing effect, not just our life here but our life for always, for eternity, that if those words are true in, in their promise, then why would we ever be ashamed of the gospel? The question that Paul is giving here, I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is a man whose life was radically transformed by the gospel. This is a man who spent his life's work traveling around the rim of the Mediterranean, planting churches, doing doing an, an, an extraordinary work for the cause of Christ and the mission of the gospel of Christ. Certainly we know he's not ashamed of the gospel, it's kind of shocking to even think that Paul needs to say this. You think of everything that he's been up uh, uh, think of everything that he's been through up to this point in his life. He he'd snuck over the wall at Damascus. He'd been stoned and left for dead at Lystra. He'd been beaten up, arrested, and thrown into jail in Philippi. He'd been chased out of town in Thessalonica. He'd been laughed to scorn at Athens. He was nearly torn to pieces in Jerusalem. And all of this because he had shared the gospel. He'd preached the gospel. I don't know about you, but after listening to his list of the ways in which he had been received when he delivered the gospel in these cities, I wouldn't have been signing up for another tour, would you? And yet this is what Paul is saying in Rome. I I desire to come and preach the gospel to you because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He says, I want to do that all over again. And there's got to be a part of us that reads that and goes, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Are you signing up for that again? And of course he is. You know why? Because he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There's three things that the gospel always brings to the table. Three ways in which we should never be ashamed And he is telling us this in this verse. He's showing you three things, just one verse, three thoughts. Here's the first one. We should be unashamed of the message of the gospel. We should be unashamed of the message of the gospel. So we need to make sure first that we understand what the gospel is. What are we not ashamed of? Well, look at the text. He says, I am not ashamed, notice, of the gospel So every time you hear the word gospel in your mind, you should immediately think to yourself, good news. That's what gospel means. It means good news. So so why would we ever be ashamed of good news, right? I mean, if it's good news, of course you're not ashamed of it. If it's bad news, you're kind of ashamed of it. If you get straight A's, you happily tell everybody about that. If you get straight F's, you tell no one about that. If it's good news, you're not ashamed. Well, you must think this, go back 2,000 years. What is the good news of the gospel? What is the gospel? What is is he explaining in this message of good news that might cause him to feel a little ashamed? And you must look at this verse. It says, For I am not ashamed of the good news, the gospel, notice, of Christ. The gospel of Christ. So it's good news about the person of Jesus Christ. The Gospel is all about Jesus. It's about a poor Jewish carpenter who was crucified on a common criminal's cross And Paul says, I'm desiring to go to Rome, the world's superpower. And I want to talk to those soldiers. And I want to talk to those military commanders. And I want to talk to those powerful politicians. And I want to talk to that emperor who is worshipped even as a god himself. And I want to tell them about this lowly Jewish carpenter who had no political position, who had no political power, who had no army, who had no soldiers, who had no wealth. I want to go tell them about him. He's already said this in the, in the text in Romans chapter one, back up into verse number three. Look what he says. This is who the gospel is about. This is who Jesus is. He says, verse three, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name." He's already told us who Jesus is. He says this is who Jesus is. He is the sinless son of God who demonstrated his deity while he walked on this earth by showing his power over disease and over death and over demons and over sickness and over all these things. He is the son of God who showed his power in these ways, but he manifested his power when he rose from the dead. This This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And when you look at the world around us, all the social upheaval, all the pain, all the difficulty, all the struggle, when you get your assignment into ministry, when you are charged with pastoring, you will find people in your church who've lost loved ones, You'll look at the faces of individuals who have invested time and finances and resources for years of their life, but they have nothing to show for it. And you'll find individuals who in these low moments of their life, they resort to all kinds of things, alcohol, narcotics. They'll resort to all kinds of trivial pursuits hoping that it will offer to them some kind of an answer, some kind of a solution. And what Paul is saying is, no, 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 the message, the good news is not the pay raise. The good news is not you can just skate by the weekend. The good news is not that you can just get away for a few hours. The good news is not found in any of these things. The good news is found in the person of Jesus Christ. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And there's nobody like Jesus Christ. Nobody was born like Jesus was born. Nobody lived like Jesus lived. Nobody spoke like Jesus spoke. Nobody died like Jesus died. Nobody ever got up like Jesus got up. And listen, friend, nobody's coming back like Jesus is coming back. There's nobody like Jesus. And the good news that we have in this world is not found in ourselves. It's not found in cultural appropriateness. It's not found in popularity or moral majorities. It's not found in political offices. The good news that we have is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. This poor Jewish carpenter who, to add insult to injury, was crucified on a cross. In polite society, you didn't even, you didn't even speak of such agonies like the cross and crucifixions. Their mindset would have been, really, you wanna talk to us about a lowly Jewish carpenter who died the most gruesome death of the most vilest criminal that you could imagine? Now the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. If Christ is who He said He was, and if on the cross He did what He promised He would do, then not only is He the crucified Son of God, but listen very closely, friend. He is the only way to God because He is God. And this is the good news that you and I have. This is, this message of the gospel of Christ This is the mission that has been given to the church. The mission given to the church is to declare the message of Jesus Christ. This is the mandate offered to all individual believers. And this is, listen very closely, this is the ministry to which you are called. You are called to the good news of Jesus Christ ministry. That's what you're called to. I want you to think about that for a second. You're called to good news. So it would help if you would smile every once in a while. Christians ought to be the most joy-filled people on the planet. The Bible knows nothing of grumpy Christians. It knows nothing of of cantankerous saints. No, 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 if if Christ is risen and his spirit lives in you and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, if he did what he promised he would do on the cross, if he sealed us, made a way for us, took up residence in us, preparing a place for us to be with him, is coming back to get us, then we, we of all people should have joy overflowing. We should have joy, abundant joy in this life. You are called to the good news ministry. So for all the bad news that there is to focus on as the children of God, here's what we say. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Because no matter what your bank account looks like, Jesus is the same. And no matter what your grades are, Jesus is the same. And no matter what your relationship or dating life is like, Jesus is the same. All of these other things fade and pass away, but Christ is the same. So you and I need to commit ourselves to this. We are committing ourselves to recognize that we have been called to this ministry, the ministry of the good news of Jesus Christ. We have a man serving in our church at First Baptist who was recently released from prison. He was Listening to our preaching services while he was in prison, he accepted Christ as his Savior. As soon as he got out, he made his way right to First Baptist. The first Sunday he was free, he found himself in our our congregation. Time went by, he jumped into a men's class, then discipleship. He said he wanted to start serving in the church, and of course, because of his past, we wanted to be very careful, make sure we were dotting I's and crossing T's. So I called him into the office and I asked him if he would just share with me his story, if he'd be okay with us running a background check and doing some of these things. To which he responded, Pastor, I'm I'm ashamed for everything that I have done to Jesus. But I am not ashamed of what Jesus has done for me. The man stands at the back door of our church every Sunday morning, evening, and Wednesday night and greets visitors with the biggest smile on his face. You know why? Because he heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I don't know if you've been to prison or not. I'm guessing or not. This might feel like prison, but it isn't. I promise. And if you haven't been to prison, God has given you the blessings that He has given you in this life. God has awarded you the privileges that He has awarded you. Why in the world would you not smile ear to ear? We get paid to do this. Are you kidding me? This is a joy. This is incredible. What in time to be living that we are called to the ministry of good news of Jesus Christ. Man, I'm so glad that I'm not called to the ministry of political opinion. We're called to the ministry of good news. This is the best job in the whole wide world. It's not without its struggles. It's not without its difficulties. That's for certain. But we are called to be ambassadors. We're called to be the mouthpiece. We're called to declare, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Why would you want to do anything else? Message of the gospel. We should not... We, we, we should be unashamed of the message of the gospel. Just look at your neighbor real quick, because some of you, you're still not smiling, and I'm talking about smiling. Just look at your neighbor and just smile. Just, just do it. Look at your neighbor. Just give them a give him a little. Your, your, your face won't crack, I promise. Okay, look at, look at your other neighbor. Smile at them. Just. Okay. Look, everybody just giggles. You just giggle when you do that. We should be unashamed of the message of the gospel. Let me give you a second thought. We should be unashamed of the might of the gospel. Notice what he says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Notice, it is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God. Jesus is described as the power of God. The gospel is described as the power of God. And sometimes we hear a song and we think, wow, that song was powerful. You know, there's no songs in the Bible described as the power of God. Sometimes we hear a sermon, we think, wow, that sermon was powerful. There's no sermons in in the Bible described as the power of God. Even the church, and we'll talk about that in a moment, the church isn't described as the power of God. The church is described as the pillar of truth, the pillar of truth which declares the power of God, it declares the message of Christ, but even the church is not the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That word power, that would have caught the Romans' attention. They loved power. They boasted in power. They were power hungry. You ever met somebody who's power hungry? Let me see. Raise your hand. Come on. You can do it. It's okay. It's okay. You're sitting by somebody. Power. No, don't do that. And people get power, they, ooh, they're they hungry for power. They want to show you how, how they can just make your life miserable. They want to show you how they can make your life easy. They love power. By the way, they, Paul warns the church, beware of people who are only concerned with seating themselves in the lofty seats. Beware of people who all they care about is their power. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, you're a sinner. That's who you are. You're dirt, that's who you are. You're a worm, that's who. I I'm not calling you that. That's what the Bible is calling you, sir. I'm not saying do that to your dorm supervisor, but if you wanted to, you could. Some people are power hungry. This is the Romans, they were power hungry. They were conquerors. In fact, they were really good at conquering. They were really good at conquering. The Romans were the most powerful force in the history of the world at that time. They had the best training, they had the best weapon weaponry, but with all their power, something was missing. Paul is saying, you may have conquered people. You may have enslaved nations. You may have flattened buildings. You may have assimilated citizens. But only the gospel has the power to change somebody. The gospel is powerful. Do you believe that? The gospel preached One day at Pentecost in the middle of Jerusalem and 3,000 people in a single day change their mind, change their thinking, repent of their sins, say yes to Jesus, the power of the gospel changes people. The, the gospel is so powerful that when it was preached at the First Great Awakening that thousands responded to its message and then thousands more responded during the Second Great Awakening and even more so during the Welsh Revival. And you can do all, you can do this throughout the, throughout the years. We won't take time tonight, but you can do this through the years. The power of the gospel to change people wholesale. In my short term in ministry, I've seen the power of the gospel do this. Seen the gospel change people who were steeped in their religion. I've seen the gospel change murderers and atheists and drug dealers and gang members and witches and, and, and contentious fathers and abusive husbands. I've seen the power of the gospel change people who were questioning their who were questioning their identity. They were struggling with their gender. They were battling who they were supposed to be in this life. The power of the gospel is available to us through the good news of Jesus Christ. I get it the world is big and bad and scary, but we have the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel to convert. The power of the gospel to change. The power of the gospel to turn about. Do you believe in the power of the gospel? The power of the gospel is not found in your ability to articulate a sermon. Although you should study well and be able to articulate. You need to talk good. But the power of the gospel is not found in articulation. The power of the gospel is not found even in an education. The power of the gospel is found in standing up and declaring the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and in trusting the Spirit of God to do His work in converting sinners. It's the power of the gospel, Paul says. The power of the gospel, notice, unto the power of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So through the message of the gospel, this conversion, God takes a people who were once not his people and he makes them his people through Christ. So that all those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ are immediately placed by the Holy Spirit into his body, which is called the church. Let me just pull the car over for a second. Let me just talk to you. One of the most important decisions you will ever make is to go to church. Get up and go to church. And I get it. That's, that's what you would expect a pastor to say. Well, you have to say that, Dave. They pay you. Some people may even argue, well, I read my Bible. I go to chapel services. I work in these campus ministries. I'm going to say something. And it is not meant to offend. It's simply meant to help. But chapel is not a Church. Your dorm Bible study is not a church. Your classroom is not a church. You need to find a good local church. This is one of the great things about West Coast Baptist College. Is it's, it's, it's a ministry of a local New Testament church. <laughs> You need to find a good local church where there are people in that congregation who are not all the same age as you. And where the music maybe isn't your style. And where maybe the pastor doesn't do all the things you think he should do. But he loves his family, he preaches the Bible, he gives the gospel, and you need to involve yourself in that church. If you want to love what Jesus loves, Jesus loves the church. I'm willing willing to bet that at some point in your years here at West Coast, you've probably heard things like, well... We want to give you a good, solid Christian worldview. This isn't wrong. This is right. So what we ought to do. Christian educators ought to educate students and give them a biblical lens for which they see the world. That is very important. By the way, I'm trying to impart a Christian worldview to my children. But, but, but do you know that they're there may be something even more important than just getting them to think the right things. And and that is getting them to instinctively embrace the right rhythms. The, the, The most powerful influences in your life are oftentimes things that you don't even think about. The things you just do by habit. We, f- are, we, are, we are formed, not just by our thoughts, but we are formed by our habits, our study habits, our exercise habits, our social media habits, our personal hygiene habits. Now these may not be planks in our world view, but they shape us, and I think they shape us perhaps even more than our world view because it is, it is, it is what we do and any time you commit yourself to simply doing something what you've committed yourself to do is who you will become. So I'm wondering if the local church will be one of your habits. Paul says For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God, notice, unto salvation. So it's Christ, his cross, it's Christ, his cross, our conversion, the gift of the local New Testament church of which we are called to be a part You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church today. You are the church today, right now. So what are you waiting for? Serve, involve, give, greet, fellowship, help, sing, enlist. This is crucial. We should be unashamed of the might of the gospel. We should be unashamed of the message of the gospel. Third and last, we should be unashamed of the ministry of the gospel. Notice what he says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Notice, unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Salvation to everyone that believeth. Man, aren't you glad he didn't say salvation only for those who behave in a certain way? Because that would leave a lot of us out. Belief will change your behavior. That's true. But you are not saved by your behavior. You are saved by your belief. to everyone, salvation to everyone that believes. Which means it's available for the high class, it's available for the hick, it's available for those who study Socrates, it's available for those who can't spell Socrates, It's available for you if you are down and out. It's available for you if you are up and out because you are still out. The gospel is good for everyone. We must be careful in our day and age that we do not become only interested in defining the gospel. It's important to define the gospel. But we must also be interested in sharing the gospel. We must be careful that we are not only interested in singing about the gospel. It's good to sing about the gospel, but we must also be glad to share the gospel. We must be careful that we are not simply content to post the gospel. Posting the gospel is good, but we must be willing to share the gospel. This is at the forefront of Paul's mind. This is the passion of Paul's heart. I I desire to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named for all that Paul went through, for all that Paul accomplished, what was his driving heartbeat, what woke him up in the morning, what, what, what kept him up at night, what kept him going through difficult times, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I must not succumb to the convoluted system of this world that we would make a higher priority out of our own comfort, out of our own safety, out of our own wealth, than we would make a higher priority of sharing the gospel. Every day people around us die apart from Christ. They die separated from God in this life because of their sin. And if you die separated from God in this life, you will be separated from God for all of eternity in a place that the Bible calls hell. And their lostness compels us to give our lives, to declare the good news To go, to gladly go where Christ has not yet been preached. Which you do know is only hard and difficult places. Because all of the easy places are taken. Let us live our lives by a different set of values. We will prioritize the gospel. We will prioritize Christ, his cross, the, converging, the converting work of his spirit, the gift of a local New Testament church. And we will prioritize this all over the globe. And in this way, let us say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. When you get to the end of Hebrews chapter 11, there is a list of individuals named out. The beginning of chapter 11, it tells like a summary of people's stories, then you get just a list of names. And then the chapter concludes, men of whom this world was not worthy. I don't know when my life ends, but when it ends, I hope I can be found in that list. Men of whom the world wasn't worthy. Because I chose to live my life by a different set of values than everyone else in the world. I chose to have a different priority than everyone else, that I didn't live ashamed of Christ his cross his converting work and his church what about you? the decision tonight is very simple the decision is I I desire to live my life unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel of Jesus is the power of God to salvation for everyone, for anyone who will believe.